This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County and beyond. Uh, welcome back in, faithful listeners. We are happy to have you here this evening, getting back on the podcast wagon just in time for the start of the new NISA season. We're calling it NISA. I'm joined tonight by uh, two of your favorites. First off, we've got Drew Hosman. Drew, how you doing, buddy? We're back. We're back. Creeping into your uh, Apple podcast and Spotify feeds or whatever platform you use. We got you on the Apple Podcast. We got you on the SoundCloud. We got it on the Spotify. Wherever you need it, we can give it to you. Uh, Lee Efens also joining us tonight. Lee, everyone's favorite Welshman. How you doing, pal? We are back and ready to bring you local soccer into your ear holes. Looking forward to it. Happy to be back. And we got a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, obviously, Inter-Miami news, a bubbling. We've got international friendlies in town. We've got uh, UPSL in college level. But we have to start with the two-time NPSL national champion, the Miami FC. Uh, They finally get the matchup that everyone had been salivating for. They play the New York Cosmos. They travel to New York and put the beat down on the rivals. Finally, in a big game, Miami FC are able to get their revenge for the Cosmos knocking them out of the NASL playoffs in advance of the Soccer Bowl in 2017. and now we are in this this kind of interregnum period, this this in between. The Miami FC announcing it is moving to NISA, which is establishing itself as a third division competition. Um, it will have competitors from East and West Coast who will, beginning next season, compete in a national competition. Uh, a lot to discuss here, but let's take a moment to look back before we move ahead, uh, gentlemen. The 2019 NPSL season. Uh, uh, you'd have to say uh, a pretty unqualified success, two for two. We have to I start should... with Drew because Drew was yes. there with the final. True, oh, okay. <laughs> that's very true. I probably should have thrown it to one of you, knocking the rust off. Yeah, I, go ahead. I, I, you I won... the game. You saw it live. You got to experience the atmosphere there in New York. Uh, what was it like? Uh, it was pretty crazy. Uh, definitely, Cosmos Nation was in the house. Uh, of course, this year they're playing uh, next to. Uh, Hofstra University in Long Island, a little bit of haul from New Jersey, but uh, went up to New Jersey, then went out to Long Island. Uh, I'd say they, I think they announced maybe six thousand in attendance, but probably a good four or five there. Uh, definitely impressed for a, a NASL game. Uh, you know, it was a final, uh, a lot of people there, but pretty nervous. Seventeen minutes, and then I think our man uh, Dilamara has opened it up and really had quite a game there, but. Uh, you know, it was insane just to think that they were able to go to back-to-back finals in, in that league and win it. I think last year, kind of everybody was expecting the Cosmos to be in it and got thrown a curveball with uh, FC Motown making it to the final. But uh, definitely big. I mean, even even the playoffs this year was a great experience. Uh, fortunately, this year uh, was like last year where we pretty much got to host everything. It was great to see teams like Chattanooga, Cleveland, some others come to Miami, which we haven't seen yet. And, uh, you know, they, they pretty much dominated all the, the postseason games. But an interesting mixture of teams, uh, which I really enjoyed. 
it kind of gets repetitive a bit playing the same uh, six or seven teams in the conference. But uh, now we'll now we'll get ahead of that with Nisa and get to play some new teams. But uh, just another outstanding year on Miami FC's behalf. Uh, couldn't ask for much more out of it. You know, maybe a better Open Cup run, maybe uh, settle the score a little more with Miami United. But nonetheless, walk away back-to-back champions of the league. And I think it's probably the the new American way. If you win a league twice, you uh, have to go a division higher. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Lee, uh, you and I enjoyed it here in the friendly confines of Miami-Dade County. Um, How did you kind of take in this season? It's obviously a different experience for us this year compared to years past because of our involvement with the broadcast. Um, But it's such an exciting thing to see a local team uh, be able to get this kind of success. Yeah, absolutely it is. And I think, Matt, one of the most rewarding things for me was really seeing a Paul Dalglish team uh, play in the way that Paul Dalglish envisages his team wanting to play. Um, You know, last year, last season, there was quite a few holdovers from the NASL era, quality players, obviously. Um, But it felt like uh, the the overall average age of of the squad dropped. Some great, exciting new players came in. uh, The players moved on. But I think, yeah, for me, that was the most that was the most gratifying thing was seeing like this coach put his stamp on the roster, put his team out there, and uh, really sending them out there to play with no fear to go and get the results that they knew they were capable of. And it was just they put in the work and they got they got the rewards. And as you've already said, going up to uh, Cosmos Country and um, and and taking the cup back home off them. I mean, it doesn't really get better than that. I mean, people can talk about the level of the MPSL, the fact that it was New York Cosmos B, but uh, it really did feel like uh, another hoodoo had been put to bed. And again, we talked about Miami United um, to sort of finally bring home the uh, the Magic City Classico and, and put things to bed once and for all in the, in the playoffs. Uh, that was That was enjoyable as well. But credit to Miami United as well. We have to mention them. Uh, you know, they the only team to beat um, in uh, to beat Miami FC in like the league competition, obviously there was a soccer soldiers game, but it was just a really interesting season to watch. It was like a machine going out there, a blue and orange machine going out there on every game, hmm. and, and 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 getting the results. And um, we leave the MPSL back to back champions. And uh, and like you say, we've it's we've been up down, and now we're going back up again. And it's going to be an interesting season coming up. You know, when you look back at the 2018 NPSL season and the playoffs in particular, we've talked a lot about it on here. Um, the the fact that the, the team really kind of activated uh, at the beginning of those playoffs and, and really just rolled through. And, and there is a, a factor to consider additionally is that we got matchups with teams that you weren't necessarily expecting. You weren't necessarily to play it. You weren't necessarily expecting to play a team like uh, Little Rock. Uh, in that mm-hmm. run-in, yeah, uh, just uh, some unexpected results put teams in front of you that you weren't necessarily planning for. I feel like this year was different. While there were upsets, you you saw bigger names, more familiar names from NPSL come in uh, to Buccaneer Field or my you know Miami FC traveling to play Cosmos. It was more of what you predicted. Not again, not a perfect prediction but more of what you predicted and the fact that the team was still able to compete at such a high level and earn victories at home and on the road um against what you would consider higher better competition that the npsl can offer 
I, I was really most impressed by that. And, and, you know, Lee, you mentioned the idea of hoodoos uh, hanging around uh, Miami FC, you know, the Cosmos hoodoo. Um, it, it's an interesting team in that sense that we've seen now over the course of, of four seasons. Um, there are certain uh, hang-ups that exist uh, with this club, whether it was the Cosmos, which appears to have been, uh, you know, uh, removed, whether it was Miami United or that Open Cup, uh, minus the one run to the quarterfinals, uh, the club seems to have a tr- trouble with it for any number of different reasons. But it, it is interesting to see, you know, the more you watch a club and follow it, these things develop. It's part of the team culture. It's part of the fan culture. Uh, but to see it actually, you know, work out that way, and, and see all of this kind of develop, it is interesting. But it is very hard to argue two years, two championships in the league you're competing in. Paul Douglas clearly having placed his stamp on this club now, um, moving them up to a higher level, fulfilling uh, more of the desires of the front office and the ownership group. Um, it's going to be very interesting. And, and this is not like when Miami FC went from in ASL to NPSL, which was basically a find a lifeboat, keep your head above water move. Uh, this is a move that was clearly planned. Uh, you know, something that was that was considered with different options. A choice was made, and it does appear Miami FC, along with other clubs in the in NISA, uh, are in it for the long haul. And this is going to be an interesting uh, uh, development in American soccer. And Lord knows we've talked plenty about the wider. Uh, field of American soccer, but but this league, uh, this uh, association, has the potential to really change things, and we have to to see how that all develops out. So Miami FC pivoting into Nisa now. Uh, we're going to talk about um, our view uh, of of where this goes for Miami FC and the kind of competition they may face in a minute. But it's as good a time as any, I think, to uh, bring in an outside voice, a, a voice from the club. Uh, Drew and Lee were able to speak to a few members of uh, Miami FC uh, at the uh, championship celebration. Yes, gentlemen? Yes, we did. Lovely chap. Been dying to have a chat with him. And uh, yeah, he gave us some thoughts on the season that's just been the season coming up and uh, just how he's finding Miami. So it's a a discussion with Lance Rosewoom about his adjustment to Miami, his time with the club, and a little bit of comparison and contrast talk, which is fun. So we're going to take a moment. Here's the interview with Lance Roseboom. We'll come back and look ahead to the 2019 NISA NISA fall season. All right, this is Magic City Soccer. We are here with the Sheriff Lance Roseboom at the um, Champions Party at uh, Besserserve Brewing in Windwood. Lance, um, you've come here from Tampa Bay Rowdies, right? Yeah. How has it been um, in Miami FC? How does it compare to that like USL level in terms of how the club runs? In terms of talent-wise? In terms yeah, of just, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's it, we have a good team here. We have a really, really good team. Uh, obviously, in the USL, they maybe have, just given the league situations and money situations, they maybe have a little like deeper of a roster as far as they can go like 25, 26, whereas we kind of were a little bit smaller. We're 18, 19 players. But, Talent-wise, it's probably, especially attacking-wise, one of the most talented teams I've been a part of. With with the guys that we got up top, with Ariel, Dylan, uh, Miguel, Mo, all those guys, the combinations that they play up there, um, and how we move the ball. When we when we get in a rhythm, we move the ball well. Uh, and you know, I think Paul's got a really good system for us. Um, so I mean, it's 
you know, we would we would we would have hopes that the the side. I think the the biggest regret for us so far this season is the soccer soldiers one, because then we would have had that kind of, you know, we would we would have played Charlotte. We would have seen, you know, okay, how how do we match up against these guys? You know, wanna you know, and and then we could have maybe gone gone by that. What's up, man? You good? Tommy Granito has joined the chat as well. Grinito putting us off. Yeah, no, but it's it's so we would have liked to. That's the thing I think we, we regret the most. We would have liked to, to play a USL team, and uh, but from the teams that I've been on, I, you know, and you know, being in training every day, we got some really good players on this team, man. Some really good players. Is it? Um, you've mentioned the way that the team plays. Paul Dalvish is mm -hmm. the Miami way. That must be quite good fun for you as a midfielder as well. A lot of the play goes through you, doesn't it? Yeah, a lot of the play goes through you. And, there, and there's once you get, you know, at, at first in preseason, it's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of details that go into it because it's a specific system. But once you get it down and you kind of get in the same, you know, like if I play for example with Brian on the right side, you, we kind of have the, you know, you get the relationship where you can rotate sometimes, you know, and you can kind of move into different spots. Or if Miguel's in there, Miguel and Brian can rotate. Me and Miguel can rotate, you know. So there's a rotation that happens. It kind of becomes more fluid. And, and that's kind of how Paul likes to play. He likes to play with, obviously, with, with structure, but also at the same time with creativity and attacking app and fluidity once you once you kind of get that structure down. It's, and like you said, it's it's fun to play. It's fun to play in the midfield. You get, you get the ball a lot. It, it goes through you. and um, So it's a good thing. It's, a, it's an enjoyable style to play. Is it also good for you because you're one of the more experienced players, and I mean that in a positive way as a man it's of I'm experience all, I'm Unbelievable. No. Um, <laughs> it's so, so, you know, a lot of the players must look up to you. You know, you stepped in as captain as well when Dylan's not been on the field. Has that been a positive thing for you too? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good... First, got to say it's a good group of guys. Like, it's a really, really good group of guys. I mean, they, they get along really well. We're competitive in training, but it never really carries off training. You know, I mean... Um, so we get along really well. They're easy to, they, they listen, you know, when Paul tells us something, we listen to him. We try to implement what he tells us. And yeah, it's always, it's always uh, a blessing to be able to come into a team and to be, you know, have guys every now and then look up to you. I don't know if they do. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I can ask them. But, uh, you know, it's good to have that. Like, I'm playing, playing for Paul for four years. It's good to have the experience playing under him. And it's good to, mm -hmm. to be able to go, come into a locker room and you know guys are just going to get, they're going to work hard. They're going to give everything they have. I have, I have to ask a dumb question. Who has the better Cuban sandwiches, Miami or Tampa? <laughs> come on, man. It's That's Miami, of course. You kidding me? That's Miami. There's no question about it. No How are you finding it in Miami? Like, is, it's have good. you settled here, the family and everything? Yeah, no worries. It's, it's a good, it's a... Like it's, it's you know from Iowa, you know it's culturally different than what we've what we've experienced. You know we we've been in Canada, we've been in St. Pete, we've been in Austin, but culture is just different, which is cool. Like it's it's cool, not not in a bad way. It's very cool. I mean there's and there's stuff to do here everywhere. There's I don't think you ever used to the traffic. That's one thing. That's one thing I'll say. Like every time every time you're driving, it's like you're looking over, like you're looking over your shoulder. Like there's never just a quiet, cool drive. You know, but. Um, Every podcast we do, it comes back down to the driving, especially people from out of town. No, but it's, but it, man, it's, it's a cool city, man. It's a pretty it's damn very cool, cool city. city. I, I mean, I got to admit, how long have you been here? I've been here eight years now. Eight years, yeah. It's, it's a comparatively long time, there's quite a lot yeah. of Miami babies. This guy, Drew, is here as well. Yeah. You've been here for a long time, haven't you? Uh, yeah, probably 11, 12 years. 11, 12 from years? Jersey originally. Yeah. You're from Jersey, huh? Yeah, you yeah. just came in, you just love it? You love yeah. it here? Yeah. yeah. Kind of got stuck. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, man, it's a cool place to get stuck in. It's yeah. a cool place. Especially man. when you're winning championships and everything. Yeah, that's right, man. Was, was Paul being here a factor when you come in here? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, 
we built up a good relationship over the years, and, and I respect him. I think he's a very good manager. I think he's a good man first. I think he's a good manager. Um, and yeah, I mean, listen, listen, I'm loyal to the guy. I played for. I've, I've captained for him before, you know. And and yeah, I'd be lying to you if I said he it wasn't a major factor in coming here. I, I, I love playing for him. Uh, well, we love having you in the team. We very much appreciate your time, Lance, and uh, can't wait to see Miami obviously playing some full soccer. Finally, I almost said something different then. Well, uh, yeah, thank you for your time, Lance. <laughs> no, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, again, uh, thank you very much to Lance Roseboom for his time and his, his, his thoughtful answers. Um, we do have two more interviews with members of the Miami FC. Uh, we will be including them and the interview with Lance, if you just want a whole big uh, serving of uh, team audio, uh, in a uh, complimentary episode that will go up alongside this one so check your feeds if you're hearing our voice right now there should also be a second episode right next to it where you can hear more of lee and more of drew uh talking with members of miami fc uh miami fc heading into nisa fall season 2019 new competition uh, a return to a familiar venue which we'll talk about in a little bit uh familiar faces from the mpsl season actually getting a chance to play something closer to a full-length season instead of just a summer season. So a lot of uh, discussion to be had. So, gentlemen, I'll open the floor up to you. What are you looking for in this club as it heads into this new challenge uh, and this new competition? Lee, let's start with you this time. Okay, well, coming in from a slightly different angle, Matt, and I think the first thing is what can we expect from this league? And I think one of the, one of the key differences I've noticed about NISA is in the very name, it's the National Independent Soccer Association. The name league, or the word league, is never used. You know, you've got Major League Soccer, uh, United Soccer Leagues, um, UPSL, United Premier Soccer League, National Premier Soccer League. This is the first league, <laughs> I just said league, this is the first, um, this is the first thing that's been sanctioned by um, the USSF calling itself an association and I think that speaks volumes about really what they're trying to achieve you know it's it's gonna it's it's not gonna be a league running for itself and clubs can sort of hop on it's gonna be clubs associating with each other and 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 moving forward like you know in in at a lower level that's relevant for them and building what they have up and seeing where that goes in five ten years time so I, th I think the whole ethos of the league, you know, there's low barriers to entry, which has been something they've been strong on. There's no expansion fees. Um, you know, they're encouraging fan ownership. There's no territorial rights. Um, you know, they're encouraging youth development. They're encouraging good salaries to the players. They're encouraging, you know, um, you know, giving more pro soccer players a chance to play. Maybe people who have like slipped through the cracks first time round. It's something that's not really been done before, and I think people have to look at that as a very good thing, but with that will come challenges as well. And the unique challenges for Miami FC is trying to get people to come to the games. It's the same, it's the same nuts that we have to crack that we've always had to try and crack. Uh, we have everything else in place, and if you compare us to teams like Detroit, Chattanooga, you know, even Oakland Roots have been selling out their games. Um, the challenges for us down here are really to try and get back into a professional sanctioned league, because I know that means a lot to people in this part of the world. Keep playing, keep winning. And that's what the club needs to do. It needs to get a foothold back in a professional league, get people coming back down, get them excited about pro soccer, get them excited about this club and this new competition, 
and go from there and build it, keep building it and building it and building on top of success, you know, rather than go for like overnight glory, which would join the USL is just like that. Okay, I think it's a problem overnight. We've waited, this nicer opportunity has come up and it's a good fit for Miami FC as a club. Uh, Drew, uh, between you and Lee, there's about there's more knowledge of lower and mid-level soccer as it relates to South Florida than probably uh, virtually anyone down here. So you've heard Lee's perspective about the, the challenges and opportunities that this league presents. What do you look at it? Uh, what do you see from it? What do you see Miami FC's role in this association will be? Well, I, th- I think it's an interesting opportunity. Um, I know, like Lee was saying, a lot of a lot of people in America kind of care about sanctioning, and uh, kind of one of the questions is how can they build up on attendance? So, hopefully, uh, you know, being in this league, kind of with more national teams, mm-hmm. as opposed to like a subdivision where, you know, NPSL was a '96 '94 team league, and we were kind of just playing Naples, Miami locally. You know, it's a lot easier to pitch to people. Oh, we're Division Three. Uh, you know, not as good as two or one, but it's still more explainable than what the MPSL was. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit skeptical about the league. Just kind of, uh, it kind of took a lot of the Founders Cup stuff and made it better. But uh, it seems like it needed to kind of launch. So it's good that we're part of the launch process. Uh, you know, the the second part. Uh, what would that be? The next spring season. Is going to be really interesting because that's when a lot more teams are going to join in, like Detroit and everything. So I think it'll be good, kind of, to to gauge everything now with uh, with uh, Stumptown and Atlanta and uh, Philadelphia Fury to to kind of see how how the league's going to operate, how everything goes. So it's it's going to be an interesting run, kind of like a, a trial, but. Uh, at the same time, it's sanctioned soccer. Uh, there's a lot more interesting players in it. You know, everybody's going to be professional. The only thing that kind of throws me off is it just somewhat reminds me of when we were in the, uh, what was that, the six-team NASL season and all the other teams had the letters of intent. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't see that happening, but just, like, I have that weird vibe of uh, almost like a flashback when it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we got a league and all these people are going to join later, but not right now. <laughs> I, I totally understand that, uh, Drew, and I think this is, you know, a once bitten, twice shy uh, situation, and we are like 15 times bitten at this point, you know, so we have plenty of reasons to be a little bit shy on how this might develop. Um, I think what does help Nisa is the fact that you have this mix of totally new faces throwing themselves in and being committed to it, and well-established names, names even more established than Miami FC, in American soccer. I think that mixed together helps. I think the other thing you talked about is a big, big factor. And it's not necessarily the second, third, fourth division thing. Because I, I think that that's a big deal for us. And I imagine people that listen to this podcast can get lost in the weeds on, on you know, those different levels of sanctioning um, all day because we are those types of people. But I think that, as you mentioned, Drew, the... If you're, it's a, it's a political lesson, but it's a lesson that can apply to soccer and most sports. I feel too. If you're explaining, you're losing, and typically with American soccer, there's a lot of explaining. It's why Major League Soccer has the built-in advantages that, that it does. It doesn't really need explaining. Just it's, okay, these are the best teams in America, according to 
what U.S. soccer well, said, I, I, I know what you mean, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I and I'm not looking to start a fight. I'm saying according to like it's easy to understand for the lay person. And I feel that for the, the lay person is the ultimate target of all of this because the soccer nut is either going to come out because they love soccer or they're going to find something that they don't like about it and not come out anyway. So they're, they're going to be won or lost before the first ticket is really sold. But it's really hard to convince the average sports fan, which if you're going to make something a big success, you need to get. It's hard to convince them that, yes, this is a big-time club and we're playing a team from Lakeland and we're playing a team from Naples. This has the benefit of teams being from major cities, major league cities, not major league soccer, but team cities that have major league sports. And I feel like that's one of the benefits that existed in the NASL. And you saw that second season in the NASL down here. You were getting good crowds, and it helped to make the U.S. Open Cup run, obviously. But you were getting legitimate lower-level soccer crowds that you could hold up and say, this will work. This will succeed. This can work like this. And then, of course, it gets punched in the face by the Federation. This now can kind of reestablish that, and especially with the club going back to Ricardo Silva Stadium, that is definitely a sacrifice for them. There are financial sacrifices uh, that need to be made in order to make that happen, and the club is doing it because they want to present this as a bigger, better version of a solid second division type club, even though this is technically sanctioned in third division. If you have Chattanooga, Detroit, that club in Oakland is doing a tremendous job very early on getting things set up. Uh, you know, you have established names. You have a club like Miami FC. This can work. It, it can work so long as it doesn't get interfered with from outside sources. And there's no promise of that, of course. But it, it would appear that hopefully Nisa has learned the lessons from the NASL. Yeah, I think that's right, Matt. And, you know, I think even the Division Three sanctioning may actually be a blessing in disguise because... With that whole Division 2 thing, there's so many like criteria to fulfill. And, you know, looking at that, would Chattanooga even qualify for a Division 2 league? Um, off the top of my head, I don't know. But um, being Division 3 gives, uh, gives, gives Nisa a little bit more freedom to like, bring teams on board, which I think will be a good thing. It comes back to less barriers to entry. And uh, like I say, getting people back into it. Um, I had to go down Kendall Way. Uh, for an appointment this week, and I realised, you know, how far it is from even downtown Miami uh, down to, like, the suburbs in the south of Miami. And I think if the team does end up playing back at Ricardo Silva Stadium and soccer fans in sort of like a, you know, uh, I'm not going to say working class, but definitely more sort of a blue-collar suburb area, have got a professional soccer team on their doorstep for $10 a ticket, that's a little bit more appealing than driving to Fort Lauderdale and, you know, where it might be like $30, $40, $50 a ticket. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where we end up playing long-term as well, and that could be a factor in the success for us. I think the other good thing, too, is, like, you have teams like the Fury who uh, kind of played in their own regional league, the APSL, which was independent of, you know, NPSL and all that. So maybe they, you know, the ownership from there can put in some input, or I'm kind of interested to see how they operate. They do play at a college, and I think kind of the interesting thing uh, when I looked into the Fury was that uh, they play at Penn, and the actual college, like, sells their season tickets through their, 
you know the col- the collegiate website so you could buy college football tickets and the the fury tickets on the same site so it's it's kind of like the NASL where you you because there's no limitations you kind of get to see more options and you get more kind of obscure and interesting ways to market your club which can be beneficial to everybody uh, I know they did that Hummel deal which isn't an exclusive deal but it's it it shows like uh, other parties are interested and it's kind of Hopefully they can brainstorm together and come up with some really creative ways to market or, or learn from each other too. Which, when I saw that on the, the the Philadelphia Fury, I was like, oh wow! Like I would have never thought of that. You know, you don't see that in lower division soccer, having uh, the college that you play at, you know, kind of host tickets for you. Which, you know, you would assume that it makes it more accessible or kind of on more on the radar for the college students. So I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, I think this this association that Lee was was clear to kind of uh, you know explain the difference between that and the league. It will kind of be a laboratory of ideas where you'll have these different clubs. Again, uh, Philadelphia Fury, established name in American soccer. Miami FC, successful, generally a higher payroll than most of its competition in whatever league it's settled in. And then you've got just totally fresh faces trying new things. I think everyone's going to be able to learn from one another and and adapt and and you know steal ideas that work and ditch ideas that don't and because there is this not there is not this enormous barrier to entry again that Lee mentioned there is this there's this there's not this giant uh, franchise fee that needs to be paid to get in um, it, it, it will give all kinds of different clubs more flexibility to to see what works and what doesn't and and it will probably lead to some teams um, gravitating more towards the top of the table over time, but it will allow these different clubs to to find their level and and figure out ways to compete. And to me, that'll be really fun. Yeah, I think Matt, just to jump in there, you, you make a good point, and I th- and I think that probably needs to have been quite open and straightforward with the clubs. Like you know, it's there's there's no barriers to entry. You want you to come in, um, but the fact is, you're going to have to have a budget of like you know. 1.5 million, 2 million dollars a year, a season, to compete with the likes of Miami FC. But then when you look at the teams involved, you know, Detroit and Chattanooga with their crowds, they can do that. Um, Atlanta is a big market, but also Atlanta are coming in as sort of the second pro team in that city now. And then you look at some of the teams that will be starting up in spring, the ownership group in Baton Rouge, you've got Connecticut and Providence as well. And, you know, those are those are places where you know they're not big places like Baton Rouge has New Orleans down the road so you know to put a D3 team there like it makes sense it, it really feels to me like it's a critical mass of clubs that for whatever reason are at this level and they want to make things you know easy for teams like that to come on and move forward I'm an optimist and I can see this team having this uh, the, the NISA having maybe 14 16 teams 2021 I mean that would be that that would be the goal that would be a sustainable operating association which has been if you are a fan of lower level soccer down here that's what you've been pining for basically from the beginning when even when Miami FC joined NASL there were these questions about the long-term stability of the league if NISA can get to that point, and, and that has been something. NISA has not been rushed. It is. Mm-hmm. It has been a, a you know a, a, a cake that has spent a long time in the oven. You know, getting baked. Um, and the fact that we're here now, and uh, the directors of the league and the teams feel confident in its future, um, 
that's that's a very good sign that you know we 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 have to wait to see to see how it all shakes out. But Miami FC now in this league, we're bringing back the, uh, the the club that won the the NPSL title here in 2019. We've seen the talent on the field. Obviously, there are questions to see what what do these other teams look like once they get out on the NISA field and compete with one another. Um, but how do you like Miami FC's chances coming into this fall competition? Uh, let's start with Drew. Let's start with Drew. Sorry, your mic like super popped there. Uh, can you say the question again? Oh, sure, of course. <laughs> um, going into the NISA uh, fall 2019, um, what do you think Miami FC's goals should be and how do you think they'll be able to compete with some of this competition that we haven't really seen before? Um, I I think they'll do well just based off uh, how dominant they've been off, off other teams within the MPSL. Uh, it looks like a couple other teams have some former USL players, a couple former MLS players, uh, but nothing that really looks like it stacks to the talent level of Miami FC. Um, I think the next year's spring season is going to be the, the harder challenge, but uh, you know I don't think it's going to be easy victories along the way. Uh, I think I think they'll they'll definitely be up against some competition, but I think also they have the advantage coming fresh off a championship. Uh, there's maybe one or two players that are no longer on the team, but not major figures. So, uh, I, I expect them to do fairly well on this. Lee, what are you expecting? What am I expecting from Miami FC and Nisa? Yes. Win it easily. Um, (laughs) 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 no, I mean, trying to put that the nicer way. I think, I think the expectation is we will be like one of the better teams initially. Um, I think the best barometer of that is when we played Chattanooga. Chattanooga definitely matched us, but we had enough to get over the line against them. You know, we're going to have to travel to some games. That's going to be a factor. But, you know, it's difficult for me to say because I'm a Welshman and a Swansea City fan. So I'm not used to supporting a team that wins all the time. But, (laughs) But the expectation is that we will be the team to be like, you know, other, other clubs, other clubs may be doing better than us off the field, but on the field, you know, with the daddies of lower league soccer, you know, it's uh, everyone, everyone who's going to be playing in Nisa, they're going to be looking at that Miami FC game and like, this is where we prove our point. This is the team where we know how good we are. This is the team we've got to go out and beat. This is the team where we make our statement. And uh, Paul Dalkish is a canny man. And I think he probably used that as motivation. It's like, you know, all these teams are going to come here. It's their cup final. They're expecting to beat you. Um, I would be surprised if we're not in the conversation for uh, for the title in in the first season and uh, hopefully that captures the imagination of a few more people around here uh the the only bit of pause that i have uh, about this fall season and and you know we were kind of talking about this before uh the, the in the pre-show that this is both a a, a serious legitimate competition where playoff spots for next year are on the line and also a, a bit of a dress rehearsal to to get the association up and ready, running ready for a full season next year. And and Lee, you mentioned teams will be coming into Miami and viewing this as a cup final, you know, a, you know, an important knockout kind of cup game. Miami FC have not the strongest record in cup games. They're much better when they're in a league where they have a firmer understanding of the competition, have more time to prepare, uh, you know, the strategic decisions. Uh, over long term 
uh, competitions tend to work out much better than one-offs. And part of that is is bad luck, and, and all of those things are important to mention too. But that is the one thing where I do have a bit of worry. I want to see uh, Paul's ability to adapt to this entirely new level of competition, these entirely new faces. Uh, you know, that, that MPSL season last year started off very sluggish, took three or four games to really get rolling, and then once it did, it was a beauty. And this year, the league... A much stronger start in the league, but you do have the knockout in the U.S. Open Cup against Florida Soccer Soldiers, who were at one hell of a team, but a team that you would have expected Miami FC to be able to beat. Um, in this fall season, there are only four there are four home games. There, you know, there's a, there's a limited uh, number of games to make the magic happen. Um, Miami FC does have the benefit of the first two being at home, um, but you, you you can't afford a slow start. Uh, and now, on the flip side of that, Miami FC knows that you can't afford a slow start, and this was true in the NPSL, and even though they did have a kind of half-sluggish start last season, 2018, they made it work. This is a club that generally knows how to make it work if you give them a little bit of time. And I would, I absolutely agree with you gentlemen that, that it, it's first or bust. That should always be Miami FC's mentality. Um, but I am intrigued to see, especially those first two games at home, how does this team come out against these new faces, against these new managers and new tactics and new styles, and how do they make it work? Um, that's going to be a really interesting story to see develop. One last point on that, Matt. I think if you look, you know, obviously uh, Nisa in the fall season is going to have a West final and an East final. So those teams in the East are Atlanta, Philadelphia, Flory, and Stumptown Athletic, which I love that name. It's, it's fantastic. But you look at those three other teams and, you know, Atlanta obviously did play in the MPSL. Drew mentioned that Philadelphia were played in like a regional league. Stumptown, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is the first time they've kicked the ball. Yes. One of those three teams is going to have to do exceptionally well to, uh, I think, to beat Miami FC. But it will be great motivation and a great boost for them if they can come and in the individual games, you know, match Miami, maybe nick a point. You know, the games are 2-1. 3-1, 3-2, rather than those MPSL games where we're blowing out Storm FC 10-1. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how those new teams, how quickly they can get up to speed. I think maybe that would be the key. Yeah, you should definitely uh, be expecting some closer ties. You know, when, when you do have Stumptown Athletic, a new team, that, that one you would expect might be a bit easier unless there are a bunch of ringers up their sleeve. Um, but, you know, Philly Fury have a history to them. Um, you know, th that that should be more competitive. Atlanta, you know, uh, has, it will have played a few games by the time um, they get to play Miami. Um, but it, it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, quick Sorry, Matt, just to, put, just to put it in a nutshell, Miami sure. FC is the only one of these clubs that's been operating as a professional outfit for, for the last, well, since its existence, really. You know, some of the other teams may be, you know, in the MPSL or their, their leagues, you know, they've been amateur. We've been operating as a professional club this whole time. So, yeah, it's going it's, it's to, that's quite a gap to bridge, is, is my point. And I, I do think that will definitely make a difference. Um, Miami FC uh, kicks off their NISA uh, adventure on Sunday, September 15th. That's this Sunday um, at Barry University, Buc uh, Buccaneer Field. Uh, the Buck against Philadelphia Fury, the aforementioned Fury. Um, they will then play the following week also at home against Stumptown Athletic out of uh, suburban Charlotte, North Carolina. 
Um, both of those games you can watch on the Miami FC Broadcast Network, which we are pleased to share. We will continue to be the uh, producing broadcast partner for that. Oh, um, and so if you, anyone's coming down from Stumptown, bring me some of that Carolina barbecue, because it's my favorite barbecue. That would be delightful. <laughs> that would be delicious. Um, we are very habitable to visiting fans, as, as, as I think uh, <laughs> folks will be able to tell you. Um, so you'll be able to tune in on MiamiFC.com, on MyKuju, to check out the game. Or you can just come on down to the Buck, uh, both those Sunday evening kickoffs. Uh, so it'll be a good thing to get you ready for the work week, kind of unwind, watch some fun soccer, have a little fun before you get back to work on Monday. Um, so yeah, do do come and check it out. And if you can't check it out or if you're listening to us from out of town, um, you know, we have listeners all over the place, um, MyMSC.com or on MyKuju, you'll be able to check it out. Me and Lee uh, will be on the broadcast and, and we've got a whole crew behind us making the magic happen. So... Um, Without objection, I think we can transition away from the Miami FC for now. Wait, uh, um, do you want to promo the Paul Deglish uh, hurricane? Oh yes, Drew. This is why we keep you around. That's right. You 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 maintain order in a world of chaos. Uh, we do want to let you know. I was waiting for that, the transition, um, but <laughs> yes, no, I, I'm I'm very glad you brought it up. Um, obviously, within the last um, couple of weeks, uh, Miami. Uh, stared down a Category 5 hurricane, and but for the good grace of the weather, um, it avoided us, turned north, and impacted the Carolinas. But the most severe impact was in the Bahamas, our neighbor to the east, even 100 miles east of us, uh, you know, uh, over the Gulf Stream, basically. Um, the, the islands of the Abacos and Grand Bahama Island were utterly devastated by... I, I think, you know, probably the most severe hurricane to impact this part of the world in maybe our entire recorded history. You know, the strongest hurricane to make landfall uh, prior to this was uh, the great uh, Labor Day hurricane of 1935 in the Keys, uh, but that storm did not hover over the Keys for 36 hours. Uh, hurricane Dorian um, utterly decimated large parts of the Bahamas, and so particularly here in South Florida, there are lots of ways in which organizations are trying to help. And uh, the Miami FC and, and head coach Paul Dalglish is offering a pretty interesting one um, where you'll be able to be his assistant coach for a day. Um, you will attend practice, attend the pregame meeting, be in the locker room with the team pregame. You may even get interviewed by Magic City Soccer. Yes, you'll be on the bench. I was going to mention that. You'll attend the post-game press conference uh, where you will likely encounter, almost assuredly, encounter one of us. Um, and you'll get personalized training gear to boot. Um, the, the club is very generous uh, in order to kind of facilitate that. Paul is very generous with his time to facilitate that. Uh, you know, he spent a few years now down here in South Florida, and there's a big Bahamian community here. You know, the city of Miami was in large part built uh, by Bahamians moving to South Florida in the late 1800s to construct uh, some of the large houses here. Uh, the West Grove still has a tremendous Bahamian influence in its culture. Um, and so there, there are ties that bind, um, even above and beyond, you know, humanity. Uh, there is, there's an even deeper tie between South Florida and the Bahamas. And so, um, any, any help that you can provide, um, needed items are, are going to be asked for, uh, for that game against the Fury. If you're coming out on September 15th, um, the team has put out a list with very university of requested items, first aid supplies, personal hygiene kits. Uh, kids' backpacks and school supplies for those in, in the Bahamas who may have had their learning interrupted so they'll be able to eventually get back to school. Um, 
that's a small way in which you contribute. And if you have some extra coins clanging around in your pocket and you want to make a bigger donation to the cause, uh, you can bid on this kind of once-in-a-lifetime experience to uh, sit alongside head coach Paul Dalgleish. Uh, Lee, I know you are, uh, you know, checking the uh, couch cushions and and uh, looking for uh, any, any extra money because this seems like a really cool opportunity. I, I I would love to be in on it too if we didn't have the broadcast. Yeah, no, it's a it's a really it's, it's a really great way of um, you know doing something for the Bahamas um, with, without you know without it being something forced. You know, it's a natural thing. A soccer fan in Miami. I would love to do it. You're right, Matt. It's a great initiative, and it's great to see from the club. You know, the, the club do a lot of in the community, and it's great to help out our neighbours uh, across the Straits in, uh, in the in the Bahamian Islands. But yeah, I would love that. Uh, the team talk I could give, oof. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, as you as you say, I have commitments. So uh, yeah, some lucky fan is going to uh, is going to get a nice day out for that. So yeah, I think um, bring some supplies to the game, and then uh, if you're looking to bid on the I guess the Miami FC assistant coach experience, uh, it's through the app LiveSource. You can get it through the Apple or, you know, what's it, the Android store? Who uses that? Um, But if you're having (laughs) problems finding it, you can find it on Miami FC Twitter. We retweeted it, Paul Daglish's Twitter. I think the bidding is starting at 100 bucks, and I think that's worth it alone for the personalized training gear. (laughs) You get bonus points if you put AN on the polos. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, Drew, uh, you mentioned uh, the the Live Source app. Um, you can download the Live Source app or go to livesourceapp.com for that information. If you want more information from the club at the Miami FC, uh, and uh, Coach Dalglish has put that information on his Twitter account at Dalglish Paul. Um, in the past, his Twitter account has gone dark while, while seasons were ongoing but I might imagine that this might stay up a little bit longer to encourage people to bid, and we do encourage you to bid. Um, yeah, so do check that out. Um, now let's transition away from the Miami FC now that we have covered that important information, and let's talk about Inter-Miami because we actually have names and faces and players that are going to be attached to this. We actually have had games take place involving the Youth Academy. There's stuff happening. Now, there's still the government insanity and craziness and some of that has taken place just today but looking at the signings that this club has has made i think a lot of people that are uh not the the in-depth soccer fans that we might be and this is not like it's a lame brag who cares if you you know you're more of a soccer fan whatever but folks that are just getting into soccer with this club in south florida i think we're expecting the first signing to be a big name you know, one of the uh, designated players that we've talked so much about. And instead, the club appears to be taking the Paul McDonough model from Atlanta and applying it and really focusing on youth here, especially at the start. Now, we'll talk about some of the rumors and scuttlebutt in a second, but I, I do want to talk about the these early acquisitions that the club has made. Um, you're talking about young players, players that are uh, largely from South America, uh, players that Clearly, there is a goal to get them on the field and playing because they are of quality, but potentially also looking down the road at the financial benefit of developing those kinds of players. Um, let, let's start with uh, Drew here. Drew, a, as you look at these signings, the, these players that have been brought in, and there's still obviously the questions of who the big name or big names might be, uh, but what do you feel about this approach from this team as they hope to get off the ground and running in 
six months, less than six months. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I thought we kind of predicted these signings, or a lot of people had it in mind. Uh, I think also, like you were saying, a lot of people were expecting kind of the big name signing, signings, but uh, definitely using the Atlanta model. And uh, I mean, the, the model has worked, and for what kind of city that Miami is, these are the perfect players for it. And Atlanta's proven that in the MLS that that formula <laughs> works. So um, two great international young signings that they can uh, develop and perhaps sell in the future, win some uh, MLS cups with. Uh, but yeah, I still think you know I I saw a bunch of stuff today where Moss and Beckham were in Paris today or somewhere internationally. So. I expect uh, one of those big names coming up pretty soon, and I think it's the one that uh, Mr. Lee has predicted in the past. Uh, so, <laughs> Lee, uh, these, these three younger players are brought in. You've got Matias uh, Pellegrini, Julian Carranza, Christian McCoon, uh, all South American products. Uh, again, kind of building the the young foundation. We'll talk more about the Youth Academy in a second because I think there's something cool to be said about that. Um, but yeah, you obviously have, you know, this waiting and this waiting about who's the big name going to be. Um, but it's clear that, the, uh, that this team has decided to start, put the front foot forward, front foot forward and get these younger players in to try to develop them, you know, get, get them up and running with what Miami style is going to be. Well, I can't believe I know more about, uh, the Inter Miami playing staff than you, but you missed David Norman Jr. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I'm I'm teasing you, Matthew. Um, obviously, it's like true. you say, he doesn't have a cool uh, <laughs> video introduction on the website. I was going by the <laughs> the different little profiles they have of each of the signings, and yeah, you're absolutely right. He's a an acquisition from Vancouver uh, very recently. So we've got four names in now. One of them clearly not South American. Um, it, what what do you think of this strat- strategic approach, Lee and? Uh, what what are you looking for for the next shoe to drop? I I think that it's you know this is to be expected. These young players and uh, you know I like the look of all of them. Obviously David Norman Jr. I don't know a great deal about, but Carranza seems like a real talent. Um, the other signings look good, um, but I think I think the fireworks are going to happen in the January transfer window for Europe. I think that's when you know. I don't really know if they're going to announce one of the major signings before then. I'll be surprised if they do. Um, but, you know, when you get to that January transfer window, they can announce players who are like six months away, um, you know, from their contract expiring. That could be someone like Cavani. Could be. Or, you know, I did post the article about Ava Benega. Um, You know, if there's a player with a contract expiring in six months, into Miami can go in there with like you can lose this guy for free for nothing get nothing in the summer or bang we can sign in from you now for five six million dollars so uh, that might be I think when you know that those reinforcements so to speak from Europe will arrive uh, will be in the in the winter transfer window get them in here end of January start ramping up for the start of the season uh, but yeah the, the 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 young pickups great young players it's great to see you know more professional soccer players in this part of the world and you know for people who were uh, you know that's the team they want to follow to have players to cheer for and to see their supporters groups cheering for the uh, you know the, the kids playing the youth academies what it's all about man it's like it's not about stadiums and business deals and real estate deals it's about the soccer on the field 
and they're doing they're doing it the right way. We've got to hand it to them. It is such an interesting dichotomy that exists because, um, Lord knows, we talk about it here. It gets talked about online. There are these these small, really smart, I feel, acquisitions that are taking place of of these young players. You know, I I do feel like there's some real good young talent that I think a lot of a lot of uh, bigger clubs. You know, when I say bigger, I mean clubs that have played games. Um, have had their eyes on it, Inter Miami is able to swoop in and attract those those players because it's Miami, because it's Beckham, because it, it is, you know, all of this that they're hoping to offer. But then on the same day, you look at the cover of Mundo Deportivo in Spain and you see Beckham wants both, uh, referring to both Messi and Luis Suarez. And it's just like, it's this weird, it feels like you're living in two different worlds where it's like, okay, we're acquiring these young players, you know, we're going to loan them back to the teams in South America so they can get their, their play in, but we're going to bring them in. And then David Beckham, you know, the David Beckham bus rolls throughout the continent and all of a sudden picks up this player, that player, the other player, or none of them, or all of them, or who knows. Um, so it's just, it's going to be a really interesting ride over, particularly, we, we're now in the period that, We've never been more confident that this team is actually going to play. We're still not at 100%. Lord knows. We will not be at 100% until a ball is kicked and we start. But it is just such an interesting thing that there there is now real discussion about players that could appear on the field and what kind of you know transfer strategy might they employ. Are they going to use this, you know, you mentioned the kind of uh, – uh, something is better than nothing approach of going after free transfers and contracts that are about to expire. Are they going to try to make this kind of blockbuster move that would attract you know all of the sporting world, not just in Miami, not just in the United States, but the attention of the world? Um, is that kind of thing possible? How do the you know relationships with Adidas and and other you know uh, brands factor into that? Um, there's just these two things where it seems like there's a Paul McDonough who's just kind of plotting away step by step, piece by piece, and then Jorge Mas, David Beckham, Marcelo Claure uh, parachuting into Europe and, and disrupting the order of all the way things are supposed to be. I, I just find it fascinating. Now, coming back to that kind of uh, the discussion about the youth, because this has been something that has been brought up over and over and over um, that, uh, you know, the ability to, to kind of bring in youth players is important and develop them through the academy system. Um, the, the, the youth academy played its first home game. Uh, its first games uh, took place in Korea as part of uh, their uh, youth tournament there. Um, but the, the club's first match in South Florida took place at the Broward College South Campus. Um, earlier this week played Jacksonville Armada FC their youth club uh, but yeah Armada. you know for for no matter what you feel about major league soccer no matter what you feel about inter miami if you're 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 more uh, skeptical of it if a miami team's playing jacksonville <laughs> or playing tampa you want to see that miami team beat jacksonville or tampa and it was a comfortable 4-0 win which is lovely to see and i think what was even cooler and it's it's a really good sign from these supporters groups uh, members of the Siege, members of Vice City 1896, and uh, members of Southern Legion were out and about supporting the kids at Broward College. And and I feel like that's that's going above and beyond. That's doing something that you you want your supporters groups to be doing. It, the, a supporters group is not just about supporting the 11 players on the field in the senior team. It's about supporting the club. It's about supporting 
the everything that the team stands for and to, to see those pretty big numbers out there supporting these kids and you know banging the drums and firing off the pyro and and all that um i i really enjoyed that i thought that was a really nice touch yeah well i said it myself is what it's all about i mean it that people are starting to get excited about this franchise now and 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 that bodes well for its future i mean there's still hurdles for them to get over you know, the signing young players and probably the young players are the easiest ones to sign, but the minute that that, and it will happen, that that one player that people can get really excited about is, you know, is weeks and months away, and then people will really start getting excited about it. But yeah, it's, you know, it's a, the, foot, the sport is nothing without the supporters. And it's a cliche, but it's also true. And, um, you know, especially the Vice City boys, what they've been doing has been great, and the other supporters groups are getting up to their sort of speed uh, and I'm sure it was great for those kids I mean I can imagine being a 12 13 year old kid running around and there's people banging drums and stuff setting off the smoke in the stands it must have been a great day for them so credit to them I've I've got a reason why to get excited about David Norman jr. okay go ahead plays for he's currently on loan to Pacific FC and he plays along with a former Miami FC defender named Blake Smith. Oh yes, there you go. <laughs> Full circle. <Building> ties. <laughs> that's a that's a classic Drew Hausman uh, stat to drop in right there. I feel like that's classic Drew. Thank you, Drew, uh, for that. One last point on Inter Miami, and then we'll move into some of the other soccer stuff around town, and then uh, call it an evening. Well, I have um, one more link because. Um, <laughs> So if we're going to go down this road uh, of, of links to bring it back, well, Julian Calanza, uh, of course, started his career with Banfield, just like Dario Svitinich started his career with Banfield. <laughs> so there we go, the links are there. Maybe they're we're following a sp- script. <laughs> Talk to us in a month and one of us will have a giant board filled with pins and string <laughs> connecting every uh, Miami... <laughs> every Miami FC player to every Inter Miami <laughs> player that exists. Uh, just give us time. Are you taking pictures um, of my bedroom? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, there is, of course, the the governmental question, and we're going to touch on this quick. Joey Fletch just did a great job uh, today. He's actually we're we're talking now ten ten p.m. on uh, Thursday, September twelfth, and uh, he has been in those chambers, I believe, since about noon today. Oh, so we'll send him a new Yes, standard operating procedure for a Miami Commission meeting. Um, it would appear we are in limbo with Miami Freedom Park because there appear to be enough strong no votes that if the de- any deal were to go in front of the commission today, it would fail. Manolo Reyes has been no forever, and Willie Gort, who w- seemed to be less militaristic about it, has also been known. And for the lease to get approved, it needs four commissioners. And there is now even a disagreement on why it's taking so long. Uh, Miami Freedom Park and its representatives have said the city didn't pick a, a law firm to negotiate with. The commission says that Inter, uh, that Inter Miami and Miami Freedom Park couldn't agree on how to pay the fees that would be required to set up negotiation. There is one effort to pull a deal in front of the commission before election day in November. There is another belief that it should be held until after Election Day. And so now we kind of have a Schrodinger Stadium situation where it's a plan that both needs to be voted on before and after Election Day. Um, 
I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about this because we have talked probably every single word you could possibly talk about. But between the, the political hang-ups that exist, between the environmental hang-ups that existed, and we still aren't quite sure exactly how expensive the land remediation there would be, um, what is your feeling on this club playing at that site? Where do we stand now? Um, in terms of what do, what do you think, how do you think this is going to play out? Because I feel like my my positioning might have changed a little bit over the last couple of months. Let's go to Lee because, Lee, you've, you've had uh, pr- pretty strong feelings about this uh, from the word go. I, I really don't see Freedom Park getting done. I think a lot of people want to get it done for a lot of different reasons and I'm not going to bore people with what those reasons are. I think this team stays with Fort Lauderdale. I don't. Okay. I, I I would love to see them building over town for whatever reason they don't want to do it, but I think the reason, the, the the opposition and the reasons and the hurdles for doing it in Freedom Park. At what point is that like? Let's just work with what we have. Let's just work with a Lockhart side. I think it probably gets to that point. Probably. Drew, what are you thinking? Uh, just uh, even them playing anywhere. I'm still just kind of in my camp of I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, this team's just been in progress and in the molding and making for four, five, six, seven years now. I, I can't even keep track. Um, you know, they're, they're signing players and everything looks good, like they're going to play in Fort Lauderdale, but, you know, it's going to happen. But at the same time, if something crazy happened and they moved the team to Vegas, I wouldn't be that shocked. <laughs> Will that happen? I don't think well, so, but uh, I'm not going to speculate them playing in Miami or anywhere in Miami. Uh, I really just have to see the whistle and that ball get kicked, and then I'm going to be like, oh, crap, it happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I do feel like you have to, uh, again, there is no 100% until there is a ball kicked and a whistle blown. Uh, Lee, I, I'm coming into this and hearing this plan proposed in front of the commission last year, I was very bullish on it. And I, I thought, and while I understand the concerns of other, other folks that are not seeking to dismiss them, I, to me, I felt that in terms of a proposal made by a team to build a stadium, it is one of the better ones that has been put in front of a city or county commission in recent years. Um, basically, the only one better is, is Stephen Ross just deciding to renovate Hard Rock Stadium on his own with his own funds. And that came after he was turned down by... Uh, Miami-Dade County, but the stadium was already there. It wasn't building a new stadium. It was renovating an existing one. But the longer this is grounded, grinded out and the high bar that is required in order to get any lease agreement passed, four votes on the commission, um, unless Miami, Inter-Miami over the course of the next month and a half develops a plan to win Manolo Reyes' seat, to put throw their support behind someone in Manolo Reyes' I'm sorry, in Willie Gort's seat, or Manolo Reyes' seat, because I think he's up for re-election as well. I could be wrong. But Willie Gort is term limited. Um, barring that, I don't see how it gets there. Because I would have assumed that the referendum results would have pushed a Willie Gort into a more amenable position to the development. And it apparently has not, based on his public sentiments. Now, politicians change opinions change but either inter miami is going to have to consider an alternate site in dade county and they do have access to a few sites in dade county potentially or 
it's getting stuck in Fort Lauderdale. And if it gets stuck in Fort Lauderdale, I feel like that is a very, very problematic situation for the long-term prospects of the club. And it's not just, oh, the Fusion played there and moved. The Fusion story was much more complicated. But I I just refuse to accept the idea of a team called Inter-Miami playing in Fort Lauderdale with that name forever. It, it, there will be pressure from both sides to do something about the name. And once you lose the name, it's a different, even though it is a, a, a tied-together TV market, it is a different market. And we've had this conversation ad infinitum. But I, I am... I am less optimistic about Miami Freedom Park, and I do feel like Miami Freedom Park is, if not the best option to play in Miami-Dade County, tied for it. Because I think Overtown would be a fine site as well, and, and Lee mentioned that. But, um, yeah, I'm concerned. I, I, I will be very candid. If that team plays in Fort Lauderdale and they may come out and say, you know, we're going to stay in Fort Lauderdale, as someone who is interested in purchasing season tickets, like I do with most of the clubs down here, um, that would immediately cause me to to pause and reconsider that decision because it's not a Miami team. Um, and I feel that there are a lot of people who would consider that decision too. Now, maybe there are more people in Palm Beach County who would consider buying season tickets. And if they do, then it could work. But it would work from a dollars and cents standpoint. But in terms of the aspirations of this club, what we have heard from, from David Beckham and Jorge Mas, uh, those aspirations I don't feel can be met in Fort Lauderdale in Lockhart Stadium. I just don't believe it. Well, I mean, it, it, the opposite side of that is that if they actually build a stadium in Overtown, that might be the thing that actually like gets me to go to a game. Um, but there's no way I'm going to the new Lockhart. Like, I can't do it. It feels wrong. But it's, Matt, it comes down to this thing. It's all political. It's like, as a soccer fan, I don't really feel like I can offer too much of an insight on it. You know more about it than I do. You're in a far better position to like give an opinion on it. It just feels like if this Freedom Park thing was going to happen, there'd be a lot more positivity and progress and stuff. And it seems that we're exactly where we started, which is like the public voted that the City Commission can enter into discussions with these people. And that's kind of it. It feels like it's a long way from happening if it's going to happen. Quite before you get to the part that it's the only golf course left in Miami, um, there's all this crap underneath it that we don't know what it is, that who's going to clear it up. I mean, just build it in Overtown. Just make your life easy. And then if it's a success, maybe you can build like the mega stadium somewhere. It's the only thing I think they're getting so wrong. Young players, great. You know, getting their thing started up in Fort Lauderdale, all right, cool. Um, but it's just, I don't understand this unwillingness to build it in Overtown. And I've gone on the record for that so many times. To me, it just seems mental. Hashtag MLS so, to Dorel. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the end of Pepsi plant, man. Let's play it at the Pepsi plant. Um, so, uh, moving on from Inter-Miami, fun international game here the other night, Brazil-Colombia. Uh, Colombia goes up early. Brazil claws their way back in. You get a, a, a pretty good game from Neymar, and you get a packed stadium. You get a really excellent turnout for that game. And especially when the the story written so far this summer of club and international football in the United States has had been attendance is down, interest is wavering, friendlies can't sell anymore. It is really illustrative of the point that in Miami, a good product will get a good result when it comes to attendance. Um, 
that was, I think, encouraging. Uh, Columbia is coming back uh, to South Florida, I believe, in the next international break um, to play another game at Hard Rock. Probably a smaller crowd than Columbia Brazil, but still will turn out pretty well, I'm sure. Probably fill up the lower bowl. It's against Peru, um, is it, Matt? Is it Peru I, or I, Ecuador? I think it was Peru, but now you said Ecuador. Now I'm not so sure. I'm going to hop on the Google. You finish your thought. So, I, anyway, my, my, my general thought is is it's really encouraging. Again, Miami FC in this kind of weird down space between NPSL and... Um, Nisa, enter Miami assembling a club but really having nowhere to play yet. You're in this weird space where there's not a lot of soccer to watch here in the summer. We have the winter break and the summer break and right now we're kind of smack in the middle of the summer break and it was cool to see such a good turnout such interest in this game. Uh, disappointing, it was only available on pay-per-view. You couldn't really watch it over the air or, or on basic cable um, so TV audience was missed um but, yeah, it's just, I guess there's not really much to say besides seem like a pretty good game for a friendly, good whenever those two teams get a chance to play each other, and um, good to see that, that interest in seeing those clubs, seeing those, those teams, those national teams, play each other. I don't, I don't really have much more beyond that. It just seemed like we should mention it and bring it up. I don't know if you guys have any additional thoughts, but, yeah, it happened, and it was cool. The end. <laughs> um, and and, it, and it, is, it is Peru on uh, Peru on November the 15th. Colombia versus Peru. There's quite a lot of Peruvians, and they've shown up for games there in the past, so that could be another fun crowd, man. Yes, uh, that that Peruvian World Cup warm-up uh, before the 2018 World Cup, that was an insane crowd. I forget who they played in that game, but that was a really great crowd. I don't, I don't think that, that one had more than like 45,000. I think it was just the lower bowl and maybe the, the sideline of the upper deck. But the folks that were here were going bonkers. Um, so it that does, would be does, really Matt, cool. It does look like at the moment they're only selling the lower deck, but maybe they're seeing yeah. how how uh, that is going to go. Yeah, and I, if I recall, I think that game was only announced within the last week or two. So I, I could definitely see that being a sell the lower bowl, open up the upper bowl type of situation. But sometimes those lower bowl games with just a little bit on the top, you know, you fill out the club level, uh, you fill out the lower bowl, that can be a really good crowd too. You know, you kind of concentrate all the sound, and all of it kind of winds up right on top of you. Um, so that that could be a really fun experience too. If you got priced out of Colombia, Brazil, um, Colombia, Peru might be a pretty sweet uh, consolation prize um, during the international break in November, right, Lee? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. That, that nice little game. Even I'm quite interested by that one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Check out the stub hubs. Check out you know the secondary market. Check the price, or get in early, lock in a good seat, and uh, be done with it. Or qualify as um, a referee, and maybe you can run the line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, last thoughts. We've got UPSL fall season up and running. We've got women's college soccer down here and men's college soccer. Down Canes. Here. The Canes are playing right now on uh, like hosing Stetson. They they, yes. they finally got going after the weather delay. Uh, our our favourite Christy Fisher has a goal and assist by the looks of it. They're doing great down there. Yeah, so that's a as we're speaking to you, it's four nil, uh, Hurricanes over what I think might be the the greatest uh, team nickname in all of college sports, the Stetson Hatters. Um, <laughs> really delightful. 
Um, and yes, it was actually the guy that invented the Stetson cowboy hat who also founded the university. Um, it's from that same family. Wow, really? So like that's I always enjoyed. What Jeopardy um, time again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you get for for <laughs> calling uh, three years of UM athletics on WVUM. Uh, and pretty much every team besides the football team plays Stetson, and UM usually beats Stetson pretty badly. So by the third quarters or by the second halves, so you're like, oh, here's an interesting fact: <laughs> the Stetson Hatters are you know, hat talk, uh, <laughs> hat talk. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah Canes. Me, me and me and Drew was down at the the Canes game on uh, on Saturday, and uh, close run thing. Great goal by uh, what's the name Bailey Chaviers, and. Uh, some of the other colleges, schools around here, um, what is it, is it NSU, the one in, in uh, Fort Lauderdale? Yes, Have I got that uh, right? no- Nova Southeastern. Nova Southeastern, they, they ran through a team for like 15 goals or something. Uh, they have an FC Surge player playing for them, Shama Silva. Uh, if you check out our Twitter or our Instagram, you can see a great free kick she had. And uh, yeah, and the, the men's soccer barrier up and running again. Um, both FIU got both teams there's lots of uh, college jockey you can go and check out in this city for sure and that's happening right now yes and, and speaking of that very squad um they're defending national champions uh you know they are the national champions in their division of uh ncaa soccer uh that's a division two um you want to get out and check them out uh you know they they're they are a quality squad they've always been pretty damn good uh, but have had trouble breaking through and claiming the national title until last year. Um, both the men's and women's programs there have national titles, so they're hoping to continue to build on that success. And, of course, with their partnership with the Miami FC, it's always good when any local soccer team finds success and claims some hardware, some silverware. So um, I'll plug any, the next two UM than... games also. The next home game Please is do. 29th at 7 p.m. against Pittsburgh. And then the following game is October the 4th at 8 p.m. against Virginia. Some intense ACC rivalry. And all the games are free in that Cobb Field. Wow, I love Drew's monster truck voice. Yes, That's, that's my ACC. Sunday, Sunday, voice. Sunday. <laughs> um, yeah, so be sure to check them out. You know, if you're in, um, in Miami, Coral Gables, Coconut Grove, that part of the world. Um, it's a good product. It's a really good product, a fun time to go. There's always a pretty decent crowd turning out to Cobb, um, which is a nice little venue for a local soccer. Um, Lord knows we've advocated enough for <laughs> any number of teams to play there besides Kane soccer. Um, so uh, let, let you know it has the Magic City Soccer stamp of approval. Um, so uh, any last thoughts, any any other things that we need to cover, or shall we bring this thing in for a landing tonight? Just a shout-out to the other uh, non-league teams in the area. Um, Sunday, Himishi are back in action. Uh, there's the local fan-owned Classico, Himishi FC, and uh, the Breakers. Um, that's in the Florida... Is it Gulf Coast or Gold Coast? I always get it wrong. But the league they play in, the FGCL. FGCL, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Gulf, yeah. Gold, Gulf, Gold, Gold. Gold Coast, Florida Gold Coast League. Gold Coast. I'm, Gold I'm Coast. going with Gold. Um, so that's back up in the UPSL. Uh, we was um, they have the Division One, Division Two thing going on. Uh, some of uh, some of the the part timers for Magic City Soccer were there with me at uh, Iowa State's Park uh, for Universidad Chile against Atletico Miami. That was a great game, two nil to uh, Universidad Chile. Uh, Atletico Miami came back and won it three two. 
go and check out your local UPSL teams. And I guess just in case we don't do another podcast before the um, qualifying rounds of the US Open Cup, first qualifying round of the US Open Cup 2020 is not this weekend, not the weekend after that, but the weekend after that, which would be, I guess, the 22nd and 23rd. Florida Soccer Soldiers in action against Red Force and um, Atletico Miami against uh, Miami United. So that would be a good game, their UPSL team. And uh, I think Hurricane FC in action there as well. And who they are playing escapes me. Um, but yeah, Open Cup is already back as well, if you can believe it. The Open Cup never truly dies. <laughs> yeah, it just true. goes on and on and on, which is so delightful. Um, so last thing to plug, which is self-serving, but you know, you're here, you've been listening for an hour, you're probably interested in us being a little self-serving. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, Lee, myself, and Maria Aleja, uh, will be commentating on Miami FC's debut in NISA, NISA competition. Um, that is available on MiamiFC.com, on MyKuju. Um, the normal channels that you were able to see the games uh, when they were in PSL. Uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So please do, if you are not able to come out to Buccaneer Field, uh, check us out there. If you are able, you can buy tickets online, you can call the Miami FC office, or you can just show up with 10 bucks and get in and get to watch a two-time national champion at work in their new digs. How's that sound? Boom. Great. So, again, we're happy to be partnering with the Miami FC to bring more local soccer, more streaming to you. Um, I guess that's a, a good a point as any to wrap it up, which is to let you know when you start listening to us again, uh, if you just can't get enough of our wonderful voices. Um, Drew, as always, thank you very much, pal, for joining us tonight. Thank you, guys. Uh, Lee, as always, thank you, sir. Well worth staying past my bedtime for all this was. Good chat, guys. Great to be back. Yes, it's time for us to uh, tuck ourselves in, have a warm glass of milk and get a good eight hours of sleep. For Drew and Lee, I've been Matthew Punch. As always, thank you very much for listening to Magic City Soccer. And until next time, go Miami FC as they depart into NISA competition, and go Miami Soccer.